0: Hey there. First of all, I just want to thank you for clicking on and listening to the first episode of Blacktop Podcast, wherever you are, YouTube, Spotify, uh, wherever we eventually get this podcast on. Christian, Ruben, and I are all very excited to share our content with you guys. However, before I let y'all hear this first episode, I fucked up. So basically what happened was, uh, I don't know what happened. I thought I was using my regular mic. However, that's not the case. You're going to see how my audio sounds kind of... Like if you're listening to a, a song that somebody recorded through their phone. You know what I mean? When it comes to Christian and Ruben, their audio is perfectly fine. Their mics were working. Uh, it was just on my part and I messed it up and I apologize. However, I promise that in the future, it will not happen again. But just for this first episode, my audio goes sound a little funky. But regardless, thank you again for tuning in to the first episode. I appreciate each and every one of y'all that tune in and will tune in. But shoot, I don't want to keep y'all any longer. Again, I apologize. I will be better. But here's the first episode of the Blacktop Podcast. I hope you enjoy. <music> Hello there! Welcome to the first episode of the Blacktop Podcast. I am your host, DJ, formerly of the Bucks and Six Podcast. I already know what's going on with that right now, but it's a nice new venture here. It's not just me this time, thankfully. Got some homies with me. So, first off, I'm going to introduce this man. I love him like my brother, but he's really my cousin. I got my homie, Christian.
1: Hey, yo, what's up, what's up? My name's Christian. I don't know if I'm supposed to introduce myself. Hey. <laughs> yeah, bro, you can give, give a little intro. Uh hey, Christian, I'm 21. Um, don't really have a favorite NBA team. I'm just here for the vibes. Jason Tatum is my favorite player, if you guys are curious. Um I like oranges. That's about it. It's
0: like, oh, this is right after his 50 piece too. But I got my other homie, this man right here. Raptors extraordinaire he's interviewed RJ Barrett I think he's interviewed OG Ananobi, the one and only Ruben. what's up bro what's going on bro
2: thanks for having me on what up chin what's going on you know like uh yeah just uh been around the block with the NBA stuff you know I covered the Raptors for Daily Hive and uh Raptors Rapture which is uh a blog under the uh the, um Sports Illustrated uh you know, umbrella. So, yeah, I've had some, I've had some uh, cool opportunities, and now I'm just now I'm just a fan. I'm out of the out of the journalism scene, but I've had some cool opportunities to talk to guys like Danny Green and Kelly Olinick and was there the first day of training camp when and, uh, Kawhi Leonard was acquired by the Raptors, and you know, obviously the best season in Raptors history. So, uh, yeah, man, good time. Appreciate you, DJ, for
0: having me. I'm excited to talk hoops with you guys. Let's uh, let's get it. I'm excited too, you know. So I guess, true. I didn't really choose it myself. So this is your first time hearing me. My name is DJ. Uh, I am a Bucks fan, but I think with this podcast, the main thing I want to show is that at the end of the day, you know, I love hoops, love the NBA. I love watching men play with balls, you know. <laughs> no, nah, but for real. <laughs> nah, but for real. I enjoy the NBA as a whole, and I think this podcast will be like my little uh, way of showing the love of that. So what we're going to do Part one will be similar to uh, what I already did in my other podcast. We're gonna give you all some takes of the days. These takes can be whatever, hot, cold. I mean, I could say, man, John Contra is gonna be an MVP. Doesn't matter. Could be anything. After that, Ooh. we're gonna talk about John Contry. Bro had like 15 rebounds for the for the Grizzlies. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's
2: nice though. He is nice for the Grizzlies.
0: He's nice with it. After Something that, about we're the green. Oh, bro, for sure. After that, we will be talking about guys potentially on the move and just general trade line talk. Some dead, li- some not dead, some deals that have already happened, some deals that might happen. We'll talk about all of that. And after that, I don't want to give too much away right now, but I'm just gonna call it the Black Top Showdown. Ooh. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so without further ado, let's start off with our takes. Anybody want to volunteer to go first?
1: Um, I've been thinking about this a lot because obviously we've been having talks about this podcast, but I really think, I really, really think the Warriors are going to make a move. Like obvious, I think it's obvious that a lot of teams are going to make a move, but I think the Warriors are poised to make a move, especially with where they're at right now. Um, They got a lot of assets to work with. They got a lot of young guys. They sell, I I believe, most of their... Like, a good amount of picks to work with. Um, and, I mean, they got, like, expiring dudes out of their prime. Like, uh, I mean, you already know who's all the Warriors. Dre, Steph, Clay. Like, if, if they don't push for a run, but they hold on to these young guys, it doesn't really make sense. So I think there's definitely a move there. I know me and DJ have talked about it, but Miles Turner is, like, a, a dream destination or a dream player for them. So... I don't know. I don't think it's a hot take. I think, like, the Warriors, like, they're in... I don't know if the Western Conference is, like, the toughest uh, conference these days. Some will argue. I think it's personally not in the current climate of the NBA, but um, I do think, like, they do have to go up against the Suns, most likely. um, With people like DeAndre Aiden, even Javale McGee, like, Respectfully to Kayvon Looney, he's just, he's not it, you know. Like, he's he hasn't really been built to be a starting center. And I think DeAndre DeAndre Aiden can definitely, I think, guard or play against, like, Dre and, like, play effectively with how the Suns play. Um, so, yeah, I just think the Warriors need to make a trade while they're beef for Miles Turner. I can't really think of any other, like, centers that could really advance their game. Um, just because I think they do need that. Interior defense more than anything, Uh, but yeah, that's my take. Yeah,
2: I I agree with that actually, because the Warriors have a lot of assets, right? And like they've they've actually what I remember reading also is how I know this is obviously because I follow the Raptors is they actually offered like that package of Kaminga, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, you know, first round picks for a guy like Pascal Siakam. They're trying to look for. You know, uh, a, a wing player that basically complements their their array of stars, right? A guy who can play make, a guy who can hit the three, who can defend multiple positions, because we all know, like that Golden State loves to play this versatile brand of basketball. Like, I mean, they've basically started it, and it all starts with Steph. And you know, like you mentioned, Miles Turner would be such a huge asset for them because defensively they don't have the guy who can anchor the paint. So when they do play a guy. Like DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns, that's their biggest weakness. Um, Or even when they play against like a Denver Nuggets, where Jokic is, you know, in my opinion, and this could be a hot take, I think he's the best big in the league, and I think people underrate him as the potential MVP candidate because if you look at his numbers, he's literally the best center and the best player in the NBA right now. He is Um, so, you know, I I agree with that a lot. I think Indiana is looking to sell, obviously. And I think Golden State should be a team to buy. So, uh, you know, I feel that. My hot take, you know, for, for this one, I think I think Philadelphia is a move away from being an NBA Finals team. And that all obviously stands with Ben Simmons, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that later in the other section, but... I think they're, they're a player away because they have Tobias Harris, and, and while he's been inconsistent, he's shown that when he has the touches and when the offenses run through him at certain times, like he's a guy who can produce, right? He can shoot the ball, he can put the ball on the floor. He's a really good second piece to Joel Embiid, who's obviously having just as good a season, if not better than last. And if it wasn't for all the injuries, he could be very much in the MVP conversation. And then you look at their other guys, they have defensive players like um, Matisse Stiebel, who everyone is so high on. And, um, you know, he's going to be a guy who's in the all-defensive uh, conversation, um, a candidate for the all-defensive team. Uh, they've got two solid guards. You know, I'm super high on Tyrese Maxey. And then they have uh, – um, sorry, if you guys can jump in. What's the other kid's name? Um, oh, uh... The backup point guard. Jeez, he's he's missed i'm uh play, oh,
0: seth? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, they have... no wait not
2: seth uh god now we have to go through the sixers roster really quick <laughs> how embarrassing <laughs> no,
0: really but um, i think uh, the sixers what's... and warriors are all teams that are definitely in like contention for yeah. the finals i shake think milton, Rose... i'm sorry oh, shake oh, milton. Shake, bro, i yeah. fucking love shake Jake milton, milton. Yeah, no.
2: God. And yeah. then look at Philly. They have Georges Niang. They have Furkan Korkmaz. They have Seth Curry. Danny Green, if and when he's healthy, they have the shooters. They need another guy who can facilitate and create. A guy who can take pressure off Joel Embiid yeah. when he can't score. And, and sometimes when teams go small, right? It's it's a lot harder for him, even though he can back his way into the post. So, I mean, there's, I think they're one player away from literally being atop
1: the Eastern Conference. I mean, if I can jump in real quick, who do you think that player is? Like in the climate of the NBA right now, I just think oh man, like, I have like, I have like people like there's so many guards that I think people aren't selling at the moment. Like mm-hmm. the only team I can think that is selling their guards like off the top of my head is like the Kings. But even then, I've heard rumors that they want to hold on to De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese together. And I'm just like, if they're not even selling, I don't know who could really be a better fit and who they could get for Ben Simmons. So I'm curious on who you think might be there. Well,
2: the, yeah, the one guy at the beginning of the season, well, the one team that they were having conversations with constantly was Portland. And if they couldn't have gotten Dame, then CJ McCollum is the perfect guy, in my opinion. Is he, is he that type of talent to bring him over the hump? I don't know. But, like, in terms of fit, he's the next best guy. If a guy like Dame Lillard isn't available, if a guy like De'Aaron Fox isn't available, or even if Tyrese Halliburton isn't available, I feel like he would be a really good player that can develop into that role. Just because, again, facilitating, creating shot off the dribble, take pressure off the defense type of thing. Like, CJ McCollum's that next best here. And if, they, if he can be had and, and he's alongside a Tyrese Maxey, a Thibault. Uh, to Vice Harris and the Joel Embiid, I feel like you have a championship caliber team.
1: Man. I think that's a fair take.
0: I I will live and die on this mountain, yo. You put Buddy Hield on that team? Easter Conference mm. Finals, man. Because here's the thing, yo. Heald. Buddy Heald has the most points in his draft class, and that's a draft class with Brandon Ingram and like Ben Simmons. I think Jalen Brown's in that draft class too. But either way. Like, Buddy Heald, I think, is a guy who does not get his respect. But that's because he's in a situation where he got screwed. Because this is a guy that is one of the best shooters in the league, one of the best catcher shooters right now. And fucking Luke Walton tried to make him a playmaker. And he has, like, decent ability to make the play, like make plays. But I think, think about it like this, man. If you just insert him into that Philly roster, and Joel Embiid's backing into the paint... You can't double him.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: either if you have if you help off the double, either fucking Buddy Heal's open or Seth Curry's open. Two guys that like nine times out of ten won't miss that open three. But I also feel like the twenty million is the only reason why, like I as yeah. much as he's someone I'd like to see moved, I if there's anything that would hinder that, it'd probably be that, that price tag. That
2: contract. I mean like, we could've almost saw that, like how how valuable a player he could have been if that trade was Sacramento and and the Lakers went through, too, at the beginning of the year. And, like, look at it now. In hindsight, twenty twenty. but they were probably better off making that deal with Sacramento and acquiring Buddy Healed instead of Russell Westbrook, and I'm pretty sure we can all agree. But, you know, um, yeah, I agree with that a lot. Buddy Healed could have been uh, – could be a, a good piece for, for Philly.
0: I heard uh, Kuzma and Montrez were both, like, on the like... – the side or knew that, like, okay, we're going to Sacramento so we can stay in Cali, and then they got hoed last minute there.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they ended up finding a good situation in Washington. Oh, I mean, true. Kuzma's having the best season of his career.
1: Mm. Yeah, most definitely. I do think, like, the one thing I have to argue, like, I'm just looking at the 76ers roster right now, is that, like, I mean, it's probably obvious that they wouldn't just trade Buddy Heald for Benson's, although I don't know how the contracts would line up, so maybe they wouldn't get much more than Buddy Healed. But I do think, like, looking at this roster, like, the, Tyrese, Maxey, and Shake uh, Milton, like, they know how to play, like, as slashers. But I don't think they have, like, a lot of aggression in that area. And I can just see, like, that... I don't think Buddy Shield will necessarily put them over the hump either. Um, like, I think if they were to able to, like, acquire someone like Harrison Barnes in that trade, maybe, like... I think that could help out because I think like that would take a lot of pressure off Tobias Harris to kind of be like an ISO scorer, and so they could actually have a good mix of like slashing and three point shooting. Like I don't think Buddy Hield is gonna necessarily be able to do that for them. Like he's, I think he's traditionally just more more of an off ball player, even though he can like light it up. Um, mm-hmm. I just think like I think Tyrese Maxi and Shake Milton are to an experience for them to like sacrifice Ben Simmons, if that makes sense. Like, I think I, they would find more like, I think they'd find more out of CJ McCollum. Um, but at the same time, like it's hard to say what they can even get out Ben Simmons at this point.
0: Honestly, I think it all boils down to the fact that Daryl Morey is too prideful because I mean, they had that hardened deal like on deck, but they just didn't pull the trigger. I think now it's like you're hearing they went from James Harden, generational and probably, not probably, the best shooting guard since Kobe Bean Bryant to CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum, I think, is still solid. I just think nobody wants to think of it in a picture where he's not. I don't want to say Dame's holding him back, but I definitely think that's a factor where we've seen, like, even now when it's operating him and Anthony Simons, this dude's like, it's on a heater low-key. But I think... Just the fact that there's so much of that, all right, he's only played with Damian Lillard. I don't know how that's gonna operate. But I think if you put him in a situation where he's not playing second fiddle to a to another guard, I definitely would like put him on the six. And I think like I don't know if again, I don't know if he's putting them over the top, but I definitely think if you combine I think honestly, the way the Sixers roster is constructed is a lot like the Bucks before. They got their chip.
1: Yeah, I see that,
0: that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tobias Harris is obviously Chris Middleton, just not yeah. as good. <laughs> no, but you know, Tobias Harris is the guy that is super solid, but no one will ever be like. The fact that he is getting paid as much as he is getting paid, I think, is the reason why nobody gives him his respect. So it's I like think a he needs pay. too. <laughs> yeah, and even I'm not gonna lie. Even I was like, man, why the fuck are we pay Chris Middleton max money? But. I digress. Well,
2: it's the all star. The, the it's these these guys are all are uh, borderline all star players. So hmm. you know, and the the picture of the NBA is you kind of have to overpay for talent because oh, for otherwise sure. these guys are just going to head to Miami, L. A. and Chicago, and no we've already seen that. So you got to overpay to keep these guys, especially in these small markets like a Milwaukee. Um, and even to some, some presidents like Philadelphia, cause like they haven't, I mean, before, before the 2019 season where, you know, obviously they had that crazy team and lost by a couple bounces, right. Uh, they haven't really made much noise. So, I mean, this, this is why like my, my hot take is the fact that dude, they're, I think they're literally a player away and I think they're wasting it and and by doing this little stalemate with ben simmons because again like you mentioned daryl morey is just way too prideful to let go of that talent he he lost out on the opportunity to get hard early on um and like if you look at it this way too if ben simmons just came back and played like just let's minus all the drama and just take it out of the way simmons on this current roster makeup is the player to get them over the top For sure
0: yeah no doubt they don't need like I don't know. I think the Buddy Heal thing is just like too much of a good thing. Could potentially make more good thing. But no, I think definitely putting Ben Simmons on this roster, I think they're definitely like top three in the East easy. Yeah, 100%. All right, I guess I'll present my take. So my take, I'm I'm sipping the Kool-Aid here. This team is very close to my heart considering that, you know, they were here originally. Okay, if y'all don't know. Uh, All of us are from Vancouver. Well, specifically, like, not really Vancouver, but the (laughs) part that you guys would know is Vancouver. It's that uh, I think the Grizzlies are going to be this year's Hawks. I think they're one of the most impressive teams this year. John Moran, in my opinion, should not be in MIP conversations, but MVP conversations. And I think they're going to make the conference finals. I don't think that's a bad take.
2: I, I actually think they have a they have a really good chance to make the Western Conference Finals because they have a star player, they've got bigs, they've got wings, and they've got depth. The one thing that they lack, obviously, is playoff experience. Mm. But you can already see that the way they play is a way that could translate in the playoffs. Because they're very much able to play in the half court. They get out in transition also, but like when they slow it down, they're able to create offense because John Morant is such a force. Obviously, the drive and kick stuff works. I mean, I want to also say I think Memphis doesn't get their due diligence as being a great development program, and they're scouting. Like, dude, we were talking about it earlier offline. Conchar, Bruh. Oh, bro. and then he it's comes ugly. in and he's like, and he's a contributor. Like from top to bottom, they've got guys who can play, and they can plug in place. When John Morant was out, they were able to stay afloat because they had guys like Desmond Bain, De'Anthony Melton, Jones. Uh, you know, they were able to contribute while their star player was out. And now they have him back. You can see like they have all the pieces and filled for them to be able to go far enough. Like you said, the Hawks were that team last year right, that they very much could be because they have the same similar makeup that the Hawks had last year to get them far, and the West really is a three, four-man race right now, you know? Yeah, like, Cause,
0: yeah cause, I mean, sure. you got, obviously, you got Phoenix and Golden State, and now you got Memphis in there, and the fourth team is who, like... Uh... Uh, I would say, Jag well, went,
1: I was in fourth yeah. right now, but, like, let's... Be real, like the Jazz are still the same team. I mean, I'm uh, not gonna shit a, on the Jazz, but like uh, they're they're a second round exit team every year. And
0: like, really, yo,
1: you know what? I like in the
2: Jazz too. The Raptors from 2015 to 2018.
1: <laughs> That's a good take.
2: Yeah, they're a very good regular season team, and when it comes to the playoffs, they just don't have enough. Yeah, I
0: yeah,
2: like. Cool. I like
0: the addition of Rudy Gay, though. I think him being six eight. I think when teams play five out and Rudy Gobert is somewhat useless in that situation, I like the idea of Rudy Gay being like your small ball five. But yeah, I think I think the thing with uh, Jazz is kind of the place that the Bucs were in earlier. Who gives a fuck about regular season success? They really just got to prove it in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the rest of the West, I think like looking at the bottom four teams, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, Nuggets and the Mavericks, like I don't know how you guys feel about those teams either buying or selling. But like I look at the Timberwolves because I, I I have Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns on my fantasy team. So you know I'm I'm rooting on their success. But like I feel like like a lot of players are gonna be moving in the West, especially because there is a four man race. And like I don't think um I mean you don't necessarily want to like kind of give away the prime years of Carl Anthony Towns and well, at least Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards is so young. Um, but I think they're on a timeline where they have to do something. Like, I know D'Angelo Russell is in the talks a lot about trades. Um, like, I think there was a lot of talks about Ben Simmons, like a Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell trade. And that, again, is like, I don't know if 76ers would want D'Angelo Russell. But he's kind of, he's not the same make as CJ McCollum. He's definitely a tier below, in my opinion. Um but I do think like there is going to be some shifting there, um, but yeah, I, I don't even know where I'm going with that. I just think like uh, it's a form it's definitely a four-man race in the West. Maybe even three. I don't, I don't fuck with the Jazz.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. It's probably yeah, it's a, the three-man race. The only reason why I give the four-man race thing is just out of respect for Utah because they're always there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh,
2: Rudy Gate Rudy Gay could be a good contributor, but he's also been inconsistent this year. So, but they haven't really had that wing player or the guy that who can play the small ball five or, or you know, add versatility to their lineup because everything relies solely
0: on Donovan Mitchell. And uh, oh yeah, and that PNR. Yeah, and that PNR and it is one of the best PNRs in the league. But it is,
2: it is. But then you know, when it comes to a half court game, everybody shrinks the floor, right? So it makes it very difficult and. Utah struggles to hit big shots, you know, when the game's close or when they're wide, even when they're wide open. So, yeah, I feel you on that. I mean, it, it's uh, it's definitely a three-man race. I just, you know, Utah, Utah's got, got got a chance, I
0: guess. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> definitely. I think this is the perfect segue, though. All right. So, the NBA trade deadline, obviously, it's like, what, three weeks away or so? So, let's talk about it, I mean. I guess, let's talk about the moves first that have already happened. Rondo to the Cavs, I think... I don't even know what's happening with that anymore because he hasn't even really been playing for them. But I yeah. do think that's a good move. What do you guys think?
1: Um, I mean, I think, like, it is a good move in a sense where if they want to be, like, kind of playing for a playoff experience, like, they want a guy like that in their locker room. Because um, I know that's honestly why they have Ricky Rubio, but as unfortunate he went down with the ACL injury. Um, cause I've seen a and lot he's of having about, such a good year. Yeah. He, he he literally left the year before he got injured on, on like a almost 30 point triple double. And like, mm. I, I just think like they're probably trying to not replicate that feeling, but given that their timeline is like guys like Jared Allen and Darius Garland and maybe Colin Sexton, if he comes back, like I do think they're trying to just gain playoff experience for those guys so that they can be like a big team in the future. Um, but, I mean, Rondo as a player, I think that's, like, as a player, like, on their team is an insignificant move. Like, it's more for the locker room and for, like, development, in my opinion. Yeah, sure. I, feel that, I feel that. You know, he popped off, like, with the Lakers uh, when they won their championship. Like, people were like, oh, man, Rondo's, like, playoff player. Like, playoff Rondo, he was shooting threes in the playoffs. Like, but that was, you know, as many would say, the Mickey Mouse year, so... That's another thing. Yeah, I
2: feel that. I think. I think. I. I agree with uh, With Christian, like that Rondo deal is simply just to add another veteran to the locker room and a guy who can help mentor a guy like Darius Garland. And if and when he comes back, you know, Colin Sexton. I mean, if you look at it this way, they have so much good young talent, and it's already showing how good they are. But we also don't give enough cadence to guys like Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio in that locker room, mm. right? that you know, that championship experience, you know, and, and or that playoff and that long term experience. And then you bring in a guy like Rondo who recently won a ship with the with the Lakers and who's been on contending teams. It's it's like you just have that in your locker room. It just gives you a different presence and it just gives you more knowledge so that when you get to those situations you kinda of understand how to approach, you know, these games and, and, and different situations. But uh, I think Rondo could actually be a big time contributor for them during the playoffs um because guys like Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro and and uh you know Seti Osman these aren't guys who are were big contributors on playoff teams right once they step foot on in the playoffs which I think they will be the top six team unfortunately for my Raptors uh they'll probably be a play-in team and I think Cleveland will take that sixth spot but you know, that first game, they're going to come in wide-eyed, right? Because they're not going to understand that the stage is just set so much different. And, like, games are played so different. So having a guy where you can be like, hey, you know, how do I approach this situation? Or he can just come in and take the ball and just knows what you do. That's that's a huge difference. That makes a huge, huge impact on your team.
0: No, definitely. I think he's, like, <laughs> he's, like, a step above Udonis Haslam in that he'll play. <laughs> yeah, no, I, de- <laughs> I definitely agree a big locker room move but yeah shoot I think Kevin Love has definitely had a good resurgence this year I mean he went yeah. from probably one of the worst players in that like value-wise considering how much he's getting paid so mm-hmm. he's, he's averaging like a nice double-double off your bench and considering that again he was with those he was in those wars with the Warriors now he's been able to take that give it to guys like you no, know, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, who in my opinion is going to be rookie of the year. No offense, uh, Raptors, but <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, mean... he, I think he will, though. I think he will. I agree with that <laughs> take, though. Yeah, realistically speaking, realistically speaking, I mean, Evan I... Mobley is on pace. He's in talks for all defensive team in his rookie year. That shit hasn't been done since Tim Duncan.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, he's been great. He's been great, and also I would say a lot of it helps him. Because his right hand man, his right hand anchor is Jared Allen, who is also one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Definitely, definitely. So uh I would I would also it's not to take away from Evan Mobley and how good he's been, but it's definitely helpful when you have another guy beside you who can guard the paint and and uh protect your, your inside. But yeah, Evan Mobley's been good, man.
0: Oh no doubt. Well I mean, when Tim Duncan came in, wasn't David David Robinson was still playing, so he's still exactly. had, like, yeah the inside presence. So yeah. Yeah. I think the Cavs is definitely, like, their team I think should look to buy a bit more, though, in my opinion. E- who, do you,
1: who do you think they be buying? Like, I'm just thinking about their, their roster. Like, I don't know who... I Like, I actually have heard that they're trying to, like, not that they're trying. Like, this is all rumors, of course, that Colin Sexton could be bought off considering his her injury status. Like, he's out for the season. Um And that, like, if they wanted to make a move for him, like Darius Garland is like one of their obvious future players. Um, if they roll the dice, right. I don't think they need Colin Sexton um, given the style of play and like having Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, like you guys said. So I think, who do you think like, or who do you think they'd be buying right now? I
2: think. Well, wait, be sorry, just, I like, just want to add ahead, that. Man. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, bro. I just want to add that Sexton has been in trade talks since beginning of the year. Sure. Or even going back as far as the summertime and free agency. Um, so if there is an odd man out, it's it's like you said, Christian probably calling Sexton.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think with Sexton, it's very much similar to how with Dame and CJ. We've seen how much a short backcourt duo can really like do in the playoffs. In that case, you know, Western Conference Finals, but you guess swept. But no, I think if I were the Cavs, I'd be looking to get maybe, like, another wing, like a guy who can actually more classical sense of the wing. Because, I mean, playing the three seven-footers is cool and all, but I feel like come playoff time, you need you need the ability to, like, play more conventional-style basketball here and there. As much as Sadi Osman is good, I don't... I enjoy him, you know, towards the end of my rotation, but I wouldn't want him as, like, you know, one of the first guys off my bench.
2: Well, I mean, they're starting Laurie Markkinen,
0: and he's like—he's a, yeah.
2: a center. He's a power forward center that's playing the three spot right now. So they've gone unconventional and gone super big, right, with the length and the size. And then they're playing, um, you know, Garland and Isaac Okoro and, and, and whatnot. But it's tough. If you look around the league, who are wings that are going to be available come trade deadline? You know, I mean, like uh, the, the names like we mentioned are like Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, like those, would be guys that are great. That would he would be a great fit. But the only guy that they have value to offer going backwards is a guy like Colin Sexton. And they already have enough guards in Sacramento unless they work a three-team deal with another team that needs a guard. It's tough. It's tough looking at the landscape of the league where like certain we see the teams that need certain players, but those players aren't necessarily available. Hmm. Right now, and it's weird. I think there's going to be a lot of action around the deadline, but I feel like a lot of it will be very marginal additions.
0: Yeah, unless I'm not. I'm not expecting a big splash.
2: And unless Indiana completely just went, okay, we're trading Levert, Sabonis, and Turner. Like those are names that they've already thrown out, and they've said that, or you know, the reports have been that Indiana wants to break it up and and right. and completely rebuild. Then there, there's a Karis Levert who's available for trade. Right? Um, but could could I think Levert's going to have a pretty high asking price.
0: Honestly, you put Levert on... Man, I'm a big Karis Levert fan. I just want to see him play some playoff basketball, man. But shoot, yeah, I think... Dream target? Karis Levert for the Cavs. More realistic? Probably like a good, nice veteran, like a shoot.
2: I mean, Eric Gordon...
0: Eric Gordon. Well, Eric Gordon,
2: Eric Gordon's on the block. Oh, yeah, like true. he's, he's a guy he's six, five, six, six, who plays the two garden three, shoot the ball, take pressure off the defense. I mean, he's a perfect guy to have in the playoffs who can probably be had at a cheaper price. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of who else across the league might have a, a wing available right now. I mean, Sacramento, obviously we mentioned healed and Harrison Barnes, but it, it the return for a guard for them doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've heard talks, like, that the 76ers, like... And I, I don't know if this would line up, and this is, like, probably even more of a dream target, but I know they're, like, trying to, like, if anything, like, again, rumors, like, trying to trade off both Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris if there isn't mm-hmm. going to be much movement. And so... I, I mean, I know, like the Cavs have assets, like, to give away for Harris. I don't know if the contracts would be able to line up in that sense, but I think, like, that's someone who could possibly be on the move. Maybe not to the Cavs specifically, but looking at the current status of the 76ers, like, the Cavs are ahead of them right now, and the 76ers obviously don't want to waste prime years of of Joel Embiid, but I think, like, they're going to have to make some, like, Pretty like detrimental moves in the next coming weeks to like do like to stand a chance in the Eastern Conference with like the heat, the Bulls, the Nets, the Bucks. So it's either they like crash this year and like kind of reset or they, I don't they know,
2: they buy all the way. Yeah. Cause you can't <laughs> just waste, you can't just waste a, a year of Joel Embiid and he's having a freaking good ass year.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, you can't just can't waste it. Them, yeah there's no point in being a seed, you know, like, at, like they either like might as well like reset for the year or they like should make a push and like do something. So I don't know, man, like, cause they could use someone like Colin Sexton as long as he comes back healthy, of course. And um, they could turn that around, but in my yeah, in my head, I just don't know, like with the Cavs, like they're in a whole different situation with being a completely young team and the 76ers are like, Stuck with like a shitter and Ben Simmons, and then like Joel Embiid being in his prime. Like, I think those are two of the teams that like need to decide where their future is lying right now. Mm -hmm. uh, If they're gonna like go anywhere, like, because otherwise, like, you're going up against the top four teams in the East. I think, in my opinion, are better than the oh, okay. Well, I don't know. This is a debatable topic, but I think the East is better than the West right now. Like, with how I agree. I agree, And, and I just and I just think, like, the 76ers aren't going to beat any of those teams unless they do something. Same with the Cavs. Yeah, being in the middle
2: of the pack is the worst place to be, right? Because, yeah. like, you're talented enough to be there, but when it comes to the playoffs, you know for a fact that there's not enough. Um, I do want to mention I have a sleeper team that would be looking to sell, it's and it's Raptors Boston. Team, well, no, it's <laughs> Boston. I would love for Toronto to buy for this yeah. year, but... I have the Celtics and I have Jalen Brown as a sleeper player that's available because, like, there's been way too many talks of them not working out and way too much media blow up for it to not be a real thing of let's look at the market and see what we can get for Jalen Brown. And, yeah, like, let's be real too. Like, this makeup of the roster, for first of all, the front office doesn't didn't do a really good job of putting the players around the two Js. But the other part of it too is like if the two also can't play with each other at a consistent basis, you know, they're both young, okay? Like let's 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 put that aside for now. Like how how can you expect them to play with a full makeup roster because you don't even know how these guys can actually complement each other on the floor because they're they're both very similar players. Very ball dominant, you know, these are guys who Guys who need high volume shots to to get theirs. Um, solid defenders. I wouldn't say great, but Jalen Brown could be a potential name, a sleeper name in my opinion. And there's a lot of teams that would be willing to pay a shit ton of money for that um, money and being in terms of value, like players and, and picks being sent back to to Boston. So yeah, that's a sleeper sleeper team and a player that I think could be had at at, at the deadline
0: definitely I mean shoot Whoops. If I'm like a team that's like looking to contend I would definitely pick up in my opinion mm-hmm. I think game for Jalen Brown low-key I mean shoot I think the thing is I feel like it's harder I mean we've seen with a lot of the recent championship teams I mean look at the Bucks. I think you have dominance in every facet but not two chefs in one kitchen kind of thing. I think it's hard to make it work with two guys who are so good, but play the same position. It's not that it can't work, but I feel like it's way harder. So I feel like if you were to insert either ball dominant or another guard, because I feel like in terms of centers, I like Robert Williams as their starter because he plays so much bigger than being Mm 6'8". I mean, he he low-key got some rigid here and there, but... I mean, if I'm the Blazers, I I would low-key... I think the Blazers, as much as Dame is that team and as much as he will go down in the history of that franchise, I don't think his future is there. Oh, yeah. I definitely think...
2: They're not winning anything right now.
0: Yeah. I would do that Jalen Brown deal, but I also don't see that happening just based on the fact that he's not going to play for a while. And if you're the Celtics, obviously every time you're losing every time like you're staying about 500 games matter that much more when you're supposed to be this team that's in contention and now you're not or not necessarily not but now you're like fighting for your playoffs lives you, you need like instant stuff so I definitely think even Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons I'd consider low-key
2: well that fixes a pretty big hole for both teams right because like I mean It seems like Portland's already got that good plethora of guards between Anthony Simons and C.J. McCollum if they decide that that's what they just want to move forward with. They fill that wing with Jalen Brown. They've got Yusuf Nurkic, right? And then you look on Boston's side, they haven't found a good point guard since. I mean, they haven't found consistency at the point guard spot since. Like what? Isaiah Thomas?
1: Isaiah Thomas, yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, Isaiah Thomas, and then it was Kyrie, and then at that point, who was it? Kemba. Kemba, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, they've, they've tried a million yeah. different things since then, and that's been their biggest problem is, like, they don't have a point guard that through the past, like, what, five or six years has been able to get them over the hump. Isaiah was, like, their best point guard since then, and quite frankly, you're not going to win with Isaiah Thomas being your best player, even when he was at his prime and
1: at his peak. Yeah. So and I, mean, I feel like I- that's a
2: trade that makes sense
1: exactly and I, I mean like I'm kind of a default Celtics fan at this point because I love Jason Tatum I hate how they play because like there is a statistic like and I mean it's kind of telling of how bad the Celtics have gotten that Jason Tatum has missed like I think maybe he's hit one now but he like missed like 20 of his last free throws or not free throws 20 of his last three point shots at Yeah,
0: he was like two percent or something yeah
1: and like I think that's telling because like He traditionally, when he was starting with the Celtics, was an off ball player more than anything. And he would be more of a catch and shoot and ISO type of guy when needed. But now that teams know like you don't need to lock up Dennis Schroeder, like he basically like is like the lone ranger alongside Jalen Brown and they play the same way where it's like get to the hoop or like pull up mid-shot if they can. But like those are just ineffective shots at the end of the day, right? So I do think Like, as someone who wants to see Tatum thrive, I think they definitely need to get rid of Jalen Brown, in my opinion, in order to, like, move along. And I think the only reason they're holding on to him is because he fits in their timeline. Because, like, Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown are, like, probably their future right now. And, like, they're three young guys. And so they don't want anyone that will ruin the timeline because I don't think they're a win-now team this season, at least um so they're not gonna in my opinion trade for like someone who's in the older caliber um if they're wanting to like be in contention in the next few years like I think Jalen Brown would be traded for another younger guy probably the point guard position so Ben Simmons is a good trade I just think that that's gonna be tough to pull off but yeah I just think I I I hate Jalen Brown as someone who like loves Jason Tatum because they just they play terribly together and I've been like I've been watching them for like the last two years now and they just gotten worse and worse man.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah I feel that they need a better make of players for it to be to, to actually evaluate if that those two can actually coexist long term so we'll, we'll see what they do at the deadline I assume I assume they're gonna be either buyers or sellers um, they very well could be both because they might just try to make a push for the play on. Because um, they definitely have the top two talent, or they could be sellers and just say, "Hey, let's let's screw you off with this season, um, and let's just try to get better in the off season, and get a high
0: draft pick, and and go from there." Yeah, definitely. I'd, yeah. No, let's talk about let's talk about a team like the Pacers, man. Because I mean, I think as much as everybody wants them to be sellers. I feel like the only people that don't want them to be sellers are the people that run that fucking ship. I mean, mean, have y'all heard Gordon Hayward's a dude they're targeting as much as Gordon Hayward's like an amazing player. That's definitely not someone I'm targeting. Cause I mean, you have all these assets, you have all this potential, but the main thing you're like concerned with is staying mediocre. And I don't think the fans deserve that. That's why Paul George left. So if I'm the Pacers, man. I'm, I'm selling the ship, you know. I wanted to grab, like, anyone, like,
2: 25 and below kind of thing, man. Yeah, I definitely think they got to sell. I mean, it's it's – they've been middle of the pack since Paul George left, right? So they have the talent, it, but these guys are all complementary pieces. Sabonis is mm, an all-star. Perfect point. We, Brogdon is a great complementary piece who is in that, that third tier of guards that – you know, could help a championship team. You Miles Turner is still young at 25, 24, 25 years of age, a good center who can shoot the long ball, defend the paint, who can have a form of versatility because he's he's quite agile as a player. So he works with pretty much any team. But like these aren't guys that you build your core around. You gotta have that guy. Like Karis LeVert is also in the the, the older stages now of his career where you the talks of him having a ceiling are kinda gone. These are all complimentary guys that don't compliment a single player. Like if they had a Paul George, then this works, this works perfect. Yeah. But they don't have a Paul George. So like, where are they right now? So they've got to sell. And if they're going to buy a guy like Gordon Hayward, they're only moving sideways. And like you said, DJ, like, and they're not going to go anywhere else considering how tough the East is now. And, This is a plug and and trying to make it as unbiased as possible. A team like Toronto right now is still fighting for a playoff spot, but they also know that it's a development season. If you take Djokic off of the roster, they are actually the youngest team in the NBA. So if you take Jogic off the roster, you have the youngest team that's developing, but they're also understanding that they're trying to win. And that's a different situation versus a team like Indiana, where it's a bunch of older guys. They don't really have young talent other than Chris Duarte. Um, and do you foresee that guy being a main corner piece of your franchise? I don't know. I don't think so. He's good, but like, could he develop into that guy? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, Is he in the conversation of a Kate Cunningham? Truthfully, Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes. I don't, I don't know if he's there yet. Um, but, yeah, Indiana's got to sell. And, like, that's the frustrating part is because, dude, you guys could have had a million different deals. Like, the Golden State deal is right there. The sure. Golden State deal is right there. Literally, you there. get
0: your full crop of, like, potential – that's your potential core right there.
2: Yeah. And, and Golden State would be kind of crazy not to sell on their young assets right now considering James Wiseman isn't playing. And hasn't really been, hasn't really panned out, but like he still has a potential tag. So he's got trade value, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, they still have their first round picks. I mean, Sabonis or Turner could be had. I mean, it's just, there's so many teams that you can go to and sell these guys. Like Miles Turner has been in the conversation with Toronto, right? And Toronto can, can buy pretty low on Miles Turner, right? Because the things that they're looking for are first round picks. So... I don't know. (laughs) Trying to buy on Gordon Hayward is pretty fucking ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah. But, man, I was talking with Christian, like, way before, like, all these talks (laughs) of Gordon Hayward. I think Miles Turner could low-key be, like, not necessarily the deciding factor, but I think where he goes holds a lot of weight in what happens in, like, the playoffs this year. Because we've seen him on this Indiana team, mediocre as fuck, but I think you put him on a playoff contending team, I think with what he can bring to the table, with how important it is to knock down your three ball in the playoffs, Miles Turner. I think if you put him in a situation where he's not playing second fiddle big man to Sabonis, we could low key have him being into the talks of like the top ten centers in a way. Now I'm not saying now with him being like the ages at now, I think that is somewhat past a bit, but I think putting him in that situation where he's like the main guy guarding the rim, he's the main guy. Not necessarily pulling the trigger, but being that big man option, man, Miles Turner, whew, that, dude, that dude's a bad man.
1: No, I agree completely. And I'm, like, pretty high on Miles Turner, especially because he's on my fantasy team. But um, I do think, like, personally, like, he has showed a lot of spark in terms of, like, how good he can be. Um, and, like, I think he his game is so versatile. Um, and I do think um, – like, personally, like, to whoever he goes to, like, I actually think he is, like, that deciding factor for a lot of teams. Like, I I don't know how Ruben feels about this because it's his team, but I think if he were to go to the Raptors, like, he could really develop into, like, a closer to, like, star type of player, like, uh, because I don't think he needs the ball in his hands to make an effect, but I think he would be more vibrant in a place where, like, like, bigs are, like, kind of the, like, main focus, like, with Toronto having, like, Pascal, Siakam, and Ogn and Obi. I don't know the starting center for the Toronto Raptors right now is like kind of up for debate. If I am, it's not it's mistaken. a pretty
2: fluid situation. Like right yeah. now, their starting center is is Pascal because Pascal? they go small. They're pro, they're playing small, so their right. their latest right. starting lineup is they're just starting their best players, which is Fred, Gary Trent, O G, Scotty, and Pascal. Right. Um, and they run seven players. The guys who come off the bench are literally Justin Champeni and Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, obviously. But um, it, it's tough because, like, Toronto – Miles Turner fits perfectly for a lot of teams. Like, if we're talking about Toronto, again, the ability to be versatile, hit the long ball, defend the paint, guard out in the pick and roll, right, if he gets a switch. You look at a team like Old State, he fits perfectly, right? There's a, a – sh- shit on the teams that you can say put Miles Turner on this team and he just fits perfectly and then he's allowed to develop because like who else is going to take his spot you know what I mean he's not trying to battle with another guy who sits in the post all day so and Turner Turner, I, I agree with you guys is the ideal player and just like how I feel 2019 was with Marcus Hall where what happens with this guy kind of shifts the market a little bit, wherever Turner goes, I think it's going to lead to like a domino effect of change across the league because now they're going to try and answer to that. So if a team like Golden State gets Miles Turner, there's going to be a lot of teams trying to make change um, just because they understand now that Golden State now adds like a completely different dynamic to the way they play without changing their core concept and their core system is
0: sure shoot man this is just there's so much shit that's gonna happen these next few weeks man Mm -hmm. it's i don't even want to think about it like it's
2: crazy even even as a
0: bucks fan i've i think the fact what we'll do is minimal but i think even just the fact that we'll be in like these trade talks is just the league's gonna look so much so different in the next few weeks Or we could be completely wrong and the Pacers, you know, get cold feet and don't fucking do a thing, even though that is definitely what they should do.
2: Yeah, like, uh, they should be... Well, I mean, I think the people up there are smart enough to make that decision,
0: but... I do too, but their main concern isn't winning a fucking chip. Their main concern is keeping asses in the seats.
2: Staying relevant, I yeah.
0: If if I'm in, in Indiana, I think you've cultivated... A following that, if you're if you're bad for the next few years, that's okay. Like, sure, maybe the sales will take a hit, but I think if you give them that hope that there's this upside, that same not necessarily the upside that Paul George brought, but that same sort of feeling where okay, there's a nice young guy, let's see what happens, kind of thing. Detroit, that's how you get like yeah, Detroit Look too. at Detroit.
2: That's literally the franchise that is they've been at the barrel, like the bottom of the barrel. But you get a guy like Cade Cunningham and you go, okay, well, it's worth sitting through five years of complete ass because of the fact you have a guy who has been touted as a next generational player. So you go, all right. So, like, well, if if Indiana can do that with their assets and just grab a crap ton of young players, a guy like Jonathan Kaminga, who has a ton of upside and, like, all these picks, I think... They'd be smart to do that,
0: you know? Mingo, that dude is special. I mean, he's he's like, what, 6'7", 220, and he's fucking like 19 years old. He looks like his body's like a five-year NBA veteran.
2: He's not done growing. That's the crazy part. Like, guys like him, Evan Mobley, Scotty, those guys aren't done growing. But I think Kaminga has the best bag.
0: Oh, yeah. He can get to the hoop like no one else, low-key. But it, didn't Scotty enter the season as like six nine, and now he's like six eleven or some shit? He,
2: he So he actually came in as six seven, and Nick Nurse recently mentioned that he he's uh, he's six nine. So, uh, and Disgusting. the guy plays the guy, You know, you guys also know he plays backup point guard for the Raptors, right? Bro, now.
0: I love him as your guys' point guard. Yeah. So. Is, it, I, I like the hybrid headed. stuff.
2: And I know Miles Turner fits perfectly in that. So Indiana trade him to Toronto. Uh, we got some draft picks. We have a nice little kid named Malachi Flynn. You can take, uh, you can take number twenty-five from us because he's doggy do. His name is Chris uh, Boucher. You guys can take him too, and we'll gladly take Miles Turner off your hands, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think I think that's that's a perfect ending to this segment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, you can take your doggy doo-doo for your gold. I'm glad. I'm happy with it.
0: Hey. Okay. All right, three, two. I'm going to do the ruby. Three, two, one. I'm sober. All right, so yo, heading for yo, these trade oh, talks. Dude. <laughs> three, two, one. I'm sober. All right, so heading for these trade talks, let's talk about, you know, Hopefully, this becomes a staple. Actually, not hopefully. This will be a staple of this podcast. We got the Blacktop Showdown. So, basically, it's like this. I have been uh, spending a bit of money here and there on basketball cards. And I think, you know, there's more to it than just being able to shove them in cases. Not Yu-Gi-Oh cards, unfortunately. I only have, like, a small stint in that. But basketball cards... And I think with the game of basketball, like literally, I think everybody's first memory for the most part is going to the park, getting on the blacktop and just hooping, not worrying about, hey, send me this PNR, you know, I'm going to go to this pin down type of thing. Just hooping. So basically, I have this album full of cards. We're all going to pick numbers one to nine. We're going to pick three of them. And then through some RNG, we're going to get our players. Now, these players range from about probably early 90s to today. So you can get anyone from, like, yeah, the James Worthy to, like, a Kevin Porter Jr. So the scale is that big. I will say, though, all the 90s players are, like, good. So, so there's no, like, because I don't know who's a fucking bum in the 90s. But that being said, there are things called wild cards. So the wild cards we have, let me bring it up real quick. I will probably put a nice little gap here, so uh, wild, you guys do hear that.
2: Who's a, who's a good wild card? Uh, the great Darko Milicic. Close,
0: I got Sam Bowie in here.
2: <laughs> Yo, man, that guy was the greatest of all time.
0: Bro, Sam Bowie was the greatest player in the 1984 draft class. <laughs> <laughs>
2: for draft class. It's not like the GOAT actually came out of that draft or anything.
0: I'll I'll, I'll say to this. Ready? Three, two, one. So, as I said, we have wild cards. The first one is Sam Bowie, the greatest player to come out of the 1984 draft class. I don't know who Kakeem Olajuwon is. I don't know who Charles Barkley is. I don't know who Michael Jordan is. Those guys are bums compared to Sam Bowie. But, if you land on Sam Bowie, you gotta pick a bust. You guys like Darko Milicic, Kwame Brown, Anthony Bennett, stuff of that nature. After that, Phil Jackson, arguably, if not undisputedly, the greatest coach of all time. You can choose any player that has played for Phil Jackson. So you've got the Bulls dynasty as well as the Lakers' nice little three peat From there, Christian Leitner, the greatest player to ever play for the US of A. You can pick any player that's represented in the US in the Olympics. And last one, Pat Riley. You can choose any player that Pat has coached or been the president of. So basically, you got the Showtime Lakers, or you got the Heatles. Now, aside from that, so after we get our three, our three players, we're gonna be able to reroll twice. Now, you don't have to use the rerolls necessary, but say you get a guy like uh, you know an Eric Bledsoe, solid but you want to potentially get that Michael Jordan, that Magic Johnson type of thing. You can use a reroll there. However, the reroll can bite you in the ass also because if you choose to reroll, you have to use that player. So as much as you go from a Derek Rose, you can go to a Goron Drogix real quick.
2: Hey man, Goron.
0: Goron's sick bro. True bro Raptors uh. legend. you.
1: <laughs> um, can I just ask a question too. Um, if we la- if we land on current, like, is this um, considering the at their peak, like, for any of the players we get? On oh our yeah, team? yeah, I'm
0: not saying we're throwing out like a 60 year old Magic Johnson against a 20 year old. No no no. This is okay okay. This yeah, is yeah. players at their peak,
1: and that's current any... players as well, right?
0: Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So there will be two rounds. Round one is a one on one King of the Court vibes. Your goal. is is to prove why your guy would win, simple as is. You get a minute to debate, to provide your primary points, and then after that, you'll have a 30-second rebuttal against the other guy. You can choose any of your players at this time. And the person who will be judging is just the guy that's, you know, the guy that's not presenting at that time. Round two. After we've gone through all of our guys, it's a three-on-three against each of our teams. You know, you got to prove why year three would be on the black top. You got to prove why year three would be running uh, the court on 2K kind of thing. All right. So without further ado, y'all got to give me give me three numbers, one to nine. You can double up if you want. If you want to go all nines, it don't matter to me. You want to go first, uh,
1: Tim? Sure. Give me one, five, and five.
0: One, five, and five. All right, all right. And let me set up this RNG thing real quick. I will share my screen. Where is it? There we go. Bing, bang, boom. I'm kind of nervous. All right. Oh, no, my team. You know we're
2: going to get, like, I'm
1: going to get LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron.
2: LeBron James. LeBron James,
0: LeBron James. LeBron James. There we go. Ooh. This thing open. Okay. Oh, bruh, show my shit. Oh damn. Oh damn. Okay. Alright. Seven. What was your first number, Chin? Uh one. One. Oh, okay. Okay. This is a dude who's been in a lot of trade talks, and has one of the best songs named after him. Oh fuck! You can't even see. You got Mo Bamba. Uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> dude, he's a night. He, hey, he's a guy that's. He's uh, improving. Definitely in uh, conversations. All right. Oh fuck! not show. You,
0: you got fifty six. You just called five for the. For the last two right
1: yeah so are you pulling from the pages how's this
0: working like so basically from the left corner down to the bottom right that's one to nine. okay
1: so what are the numbers that i choose represent sorry
0: so if you choose one i'm choosing like the first player top left oh if you choose you. nine you're getting like the middle middle player all right
1: and 50 rec-
2: represents... 56 represents what? Oh, like the page. Because I got uh, 89 there. pages. Oh,
1: you got mad pages.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, wow, bro. Dude, I've only got... I've only got like 15 pages yeah. of Yu-Gi-Oh cards,
0: bro. <laughs> All right. A dude we were talking about earlier. CJ McCollum. You can't fuck it. Sir. Man. Oh, hey. CJ McCollum.
1: Not a bad team. You got,
0: you got a solid roster off the bat. Last one. 24. Okay. Oh,
1: that's the golden number right
0: there.
2: Number twenty-four, a golden number for Norman Paul.
0: Guys are part of one of the best talk shows. You got Kenny the Jet Smith.
1: What the fuck? So do I get? Can I get a re-roll? Basically, is what we're saying here.
0: Yeah. So do you do you want to re-roll any of them? I know uh, you want to keep Kenny, but. Uh...
1: I'm probably gonna um, re-roll on Kenny, to be honest. Just
0: Kenny? Do you wanna reroll any others?
1: Kenny was one of the greatest shooters
2: in the history not, in of the NBA.
1: Yeah, I'm Big not gonna shots, argue somebody. for Kenny Smith, yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, I'll just <laughs> uh, thank you. I'll take a re-roll just on Kenny.
0: Okay. Give me a number. One to, one to nine. Um,
1: give me give me five again. Five?
0: Okay, fifty-eight.
1: I'm about to get a bust. I already know
0: it. Oh, uh, better, than, better than Kenny, I'll say. You got uh, Mr. 50-40-90 himself, Malcolm Brogdon.
1: Okay, I can work with that. I can work
2: <laughs> You said 50 40, 90. I was like, this man's about <laughs> to get steamed, man.
1: I think I'm going a, I'm to a stick with that team for now, I think.
0: Right, you don't want to use any of your rerolls?
1: You're good? I mean, I I only have one other reroll
0: right? I got two. Yeah, so you can switch out either Mo Bamba or CJ.
1: I mean, I need a big, like, considering the my team layout right now. I, you
0: don't you think seven so, put Mo as a big?
1: No, I'm no, saying I, mean, I no, I'm saying I don't want to loot. I'm saying I don't want to lose them, but like I wouldn't risk CJ McCollum, you know? Like I don't. I'm sure you got good players in there, but like, what if I get like. I don't know, man. Like, I don't even have anyone off the top of my head. What if I get a T my, my new ball. ball. Yo, my new um, bowl is in here. All
0: There's right. There's
1: a few new bowls in
0: here.
1: You know what? Just for the fun of it, let's reroll for CJ. I think I, I might be messing let's up. For CJ. Here.
0: So you're keeping, you're keeping oh. Mo and Malcolm. Okay.
1: Actually, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Sorry, I'm I'm really. Th- let's reroll for Malcolm Brogdon again. No, 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 Malcolm Brogdon, you had to keep because you were re rolling. Oh, right, right. Him. That's what I thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, let's re roll for CJ. Okay. Number one to
0: nine. Damn.
1: Uh, give me one. And you said five? Uh, no, sorry. Give me one. One is the number I picked. Oh,
0: one. Sorry, my
1: bad. Definitely don't got anyone good in the back of the book. I'm just kidding. Jimmy <laughs> Cole. One? One,
0: yeah. This a legend. This is a dude who's been a part of some great teams.
1: Yo, don't play me right now, yo. Steve Kirk? Close. George Hill. George Oh my God. Hey.
0: If I got George
1: Hill, I could argue more of a shit, yo. You got this. I mean, okay. We'll we'll work with that. So your
0: final roster is Mo Bamba, George Hill, and Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, Reuben. Three numbers, brother. All right, give me a
2: 369.
0: 369.
2: Okay. 65. Okay, okay, okay. Give me Allen Iverson, bro. Come on, yeah, yeah. Iverson. You guys are gonna
1: get like some <laughs> legends. I got Malcolm Brogdon, George Hill, Mo Bamba. Man, come um, on now.
0: It's not about who's actually better. If you can prove that, if George Hill can bust Gary Payton's ass, you can prove that, or you can like show some. You no, know, you can talk enough. Sorry, Ruben. What was your first number? Five? Five? Three. three. Uh, Three. three. Ooh. Three on sixty-five is quite a nice player, if I do say so myself. Been a member of some Warrior Championship teams, Harrison Barnes.
2: Oh, not bad, not bad, not bad. At his peak too, hey? So, the beginning of this year.
0: <laughs> Six and nine, but we got 44 here, okay, okay. We got 44, 321, I'm sober. first leg legend, this is a dude who was on the NBA 75 list. Bernard King. Thanks, legend. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a nice one. All right, all right. And our very last one, 22. Oh. Nice seven-footer here, Mitchell Robinson. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. I'm going to definitely re-roll on him.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) number one tonight. (laughs)
2: Uh, a two, two and two.
0: Ooh,
2: and I have to accept think, this player.
0: I think you'll, I think you'll be able to argue for this guy. You got Mighty Mouse, David Stoudemire.
2: Oh, that's an easy one. Rookie of the Year,
0: nineteen ninety five. I got no way of proving it on my chain, but still I'm not. I will choose uh three. 7, and 5. Oh, fuck. I'm to roll them back. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> who's,
2: my, who's, my, who's my first player again, by the way?
0: Oh, uh, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, Harrison Barnes, Bernard King, and Damon uh, Stoudemire. All right. <laughs> I got the best player in the Rockets right now, Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs>
2: hey, Maddie, you, you, you manifested it. You literally said true, his name bro. before we started. First I'm not going to lie.
0: I was drinking the Kool-Aid on him, too. I mean, he's starting to play a little bit better, but shit. Okay. 11. This will be seven. Oh. I got Kyrie. What the Kyrie? hell? Kyrie's the fucking god of streetball. God damn it, man. Okay. Nine <laughs> That's on six. Bro, I swear I'm not <laughs> on everything I love. Cheater, cheater, cheater. <laughs> Come on, man. Fuck, y'all definitely gonna think I'm cheating. I am fucking Jason Kidd. Oh. That's man. So oh man.
1: You know what? Keep it. Keep yeah, it. Man. Keep it. Keep I mean, it. We can argue, man. Keep it.
0: Yeah, no, like literally, if I make a shitty argument for Jason Kidd, you could definitely prove to the other person that maybe George Hill better. Who knows? Okay, my la- I'm gonna definitely re-roll uh. Fuck is his name? Kevin Porter Jr. Because I I need a big man here. Uh, give me five. Fuck, <laughs> I got Ruben's boy yo Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I mean I'll take it, but shit man, I ain't got no bigs.
2: You have a full team of point guards. Who's your first guy? Um, you got Kyrie, Kyle, and Kyrie,
0: Jason Kidd, and Kyle Lowry.
1: <laughs> yo, you got short kings, yo. <laughs> yo. Yeah. <laughs> short kings.
2: That's some facts.
0: All right. So now that we got our players, let's just go over real quick. Christian, who you got? All
1: right. So I got George Hill. um, I got Malcolm Brogdon. And I got Mo Bamba, the king himself.
0: Sick, sick. Ruben, who you got?
2: I got former Rookie of the Year and Toronto Raptors legend, Damon Stoudemire. I've got champion, NBA champion, Harrison Barnes. And the great NBA 75-er, the legend, Bernard King. said, Bang,
0: bang. And me, myself, everybody don't think I'm cheating, but I swear on my love for my mother and my father that I'm not. I have Kyrie Irving, Jason Kidd, <laughs> and uh, who's the last one? Uh, Kyle Lowry. So now that we've got our boys, we're take a little break here, five minutes, to, you know, bolster our arguments. See y'all in a bit. All right, so we are back. So the black top has two rounds. Round one is a one-on-one matchup. You can choose any of your players, but it's just you got to match up. You want to explain why your guy's better. It's not about who's actually better. It's about proving that your guy is better in a sense. Like if I was bad at debating, Christian could potentially prove that, or not prove, but make an argument that George Hill is better than uh, Jason Kidd even. Could go any way here. Now, here's, what gonna work. here's what's going to happen. We're going to spin this wheel here. Whoever it lands on, or whoever the two lands on, that's our first matchup. Whoever is not landing on it, that's the guy who's going to judge. But round two, though, is a three-on-three style. Imagine we're at Rutgers Park, our three against your three. See how it happens there. So let's get right to it. So, first one. These fuckers can't see, but... It is Ruben. Uh, oh, never mind. It's Christian. What the fuck? It's Christian. Yeah. All right. If it, <laughs> we got like Christian and Ruben. All right, All right. Now we got Ruben. Okay. Okay. All right. So Christian, you can choose whoever. <laughs> Who's the first guy you want to make an argument for?
1: So the person I'm uh, be having in my 1v1 game is Malcolm Brogdon.
0: Okay, okay. And then Ruben, who are you going to argue for?
2: If you're arguing for Malcolm Brogdon, I'm going to argue for Bernard King. All
0: right. Respect, respect. All right. So Christian, arguing for Malcolm Brogdon, and Ruben, arguing for Bernard King. Christian, your one minute starts now.
1: Okay. So let's just get some uh, shit out of the air real quick. So Malcolm Brogdon, by surprise, like I honestly didn't know this, but on his career, he's averaging 15.4 points per game. And like, obviously, like that doesn't sound all that big when you compare him to the likes of anyone in the NBA 75. But you have to think about it from the perspective that this is the type of player that's literally been in the shadow of players since... The beginning of his career, and he still won Rookie of the Year, even though his draft class, let's say, isn't you know anything special. That's still an accolade worth mentioning. When you think of Rookie of the Year, you can think of crazy players like Derrick Rose, Michael Jordan. Okay, let's not get that far, but let's just say like let's think of that, right? Like that is one of the largest accolades. It's only winnable in the first season of your career, um, and so that's. I think that's my first point: is that. 15.4? I'm doing fifteen point
0: four.
1: I'm cut off already.
0: Yeah, you get a minute.
1: Oh man, I didn't. Even, I'm not even. All right, fuck. I could, definitely should have uh, mentioned my other points yeah. there.
0: <laughs> okay, You can bring that energy up in your rebuttal. Now, Reuben, your opening argument. Do you guys are do you guys want me to like say shit if it's like ten seconds? Would that help?
1: Maybe,
0: yeah. Sure. Okay, I'll yeah. do that. My bad. Okay. Ruben presenting his argument for Bernard King in three, two, one, go.
2: All right. Well, so we're talking about Bernard King, an NBA 75er, a legend in his own right. We're talking about one of the explosive, most explosive, and professional scorers of his era. Dude, at one season, 1985 averaged 32.9 points per game and had eight 50-point games for his career. So, I mean... The stats say it all. He is one of the legends, one of the greatest of all time. Um, His ability to post up defenders, very athletic, uh, ability to finish with both hands, uh, made him uh, a scorer that separated him from pretty much anybody else in the league at that time. One season, he tore his ACL, I think it was, or he had a major knee injury. Ruined his season, came back, and actually won NBA Comeback Player of the Year. And he had 22, what was it, uh, 22.7 points per game for New York the next, the following season after his injury. So, like, you're talking about one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. Um, so, I think he would win in one-on-one.
0: All right, now 30-second rebuttal in three, two, one, go.
1: Okay, so... I'm just gonna be straight like Bernard King and Malcolm Brogdon are t- on two different pedestals, but I truly believe Malcolm Brogdon saw as a case to be made that he's always been seen as a role player and there's a lot of untapped potential there. And if you're on the black top, like you don't consider like 32 points per game you consider who could actually be player better player on the floor being a 50 40 90 player, there's only been eight players to ever do it. I don't know if anyone did it in the last few seasons, but
0: just saying, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, Reuben, your
2: rebuttal in three, two, one, go. I like Malcolm Brogdon, really solid role player. Um, but at 6'4", uh, constant injuries, I just don't think he has the facilities uh, to guard a guy like Bernard King, who is, you know, in the The stratosphere of guys like we've seen Kevin Durant, LeBron James, James Horton, those kind of scorers. Bernard King has those numbers. And if it were a one-on-one on on the blacktop, it's easy money.
0: All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, Christian, you put up a valiant effort, but I'm going to have to give it to Ruben. All things that aside, though, I think off rip. one thing I definitely got to change is, like put tears so that's definitely something i'll do for next episode but we're rolling with what we got right now so yeah, yeah. score one for reuben so i will be arguing uh i'll bring out the big fish back because it's Ruben. I-, I gotta go kyle lowry okay 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 all right i like that for reuben who, who you gonna bring
2: out well i'm gonna bring up another raptor great damon stoudemire
0: all right i respect that okay I will start first in three, two, one, boom. All right, now when we're talking about Kyle Lowry, we're talking about a man who literally has the nickname Mr. Raptor, the greatest Raptor of all time. This is a guy that teams threw away, but he found a home in Toronto, a six time All Star, one of the thickest guard has ever seen. This dude's six foot, and I literally seen him like, not say clap, enough. Fuck that. He's clapped down seven-footers before. This is a guy who takes charges. That might not necessarily translate to the blacktop, but the grittiness and the heart, the Pennsylvanian heart that Kyle Lowry has is unmatched. And the fact that he grew up in Philly, you know he was playing blacktop six. It's like seven days a week, 24-7, 365. Pussy stay on my mind. Kyle Lowry, this is a dude who's been a double-digit points averager for like literally the bulk of his career and even the fact that he's in his later years he's still just as effective if not more so that's my time mr raptor all right ruben all right all right your opening argument in three two one
2: boom well i mean there's much to be said about the great man right here kyle lowry the great champion six-time all-star however I do have to uh, go against that point with Mighty Mouse. There's a reason he's called Mighty Mouse, one of the most electrifying small point guards there is in the league. And Kyle Lowry ain't that big either. So they're about the same size at six feet versus, you know, Damon Sattermeyer's 5'11". Electrifying scorer, one of the best bags that we've seen. Rookie of the year in 1995. I mean, his ability to create off the dribble. I mean, you could put a, a great defender on him, but... It not really matter. He can get past him. He can shoot the three ball. He's a 35% uh, three-point shooter from the perimeter. Um, I mean, what else can be said about this guy? I mean, you put any kind of defender on him, he's able to get past them. And listen, he's also from the great Portland area that is a, a, a bread of great basketball players and great talents of all
0: time. My rebuttal in three, two, one. <clears throat> As deep as someone's bag can be, there's one thing that wins championships. It's the reason Kyle Lowry's a championship. I don't believe Damon Stoudemire has a championship, but the one thing that wins championships is good D. Kyle Lowry is a man of many great things, but his D is up there. His ability to guard on the perimeter, his ability to guard bigger dudes, and the fact that he's only got to guard a 5'11 dude, that's free cheese. Alrighty, Ruben. Your rebuttal in 3, 2, 1, go.
2: We're speaking strictly on the blacktop. Kyle Lowry is a great defender, a gritty guy. Let's just say this game would take two hours to finish because it would be hard to score on Kyle Lowry. But Kyle Lowry, in terms of scoring, prowess, and his ability, just not as good as Damon Stoudemire's. And I think at the end of the day, if they're going shot for shot, possession by possession, you're talking about a guy who's who averaged 20 points at one point. 40% from three-point. Uh, over 80%, almost 90% from the free-throw
1: line.
0: Great respect Man.
1: Christian. Who you got there? This is a tough matchup, and I mean, this is going to be... Like, obviously, I'm not biased. I mean, I would say I'm more biased to Kyle I've grown up watching him. Um, I will say you guys have both argued good points, like... I agree with Ruben's take that it would be a two-hour matchup because this is like a matchup of offense versus defense. I think at the end of the day, with Kahlar being one of the best plus-minus players of all time, or not plus-minus, but like advanced stats-wise, he's been like in deep talks for a long time. Um, but I'm gonna have to give this one surprisingly to Ruben. I think what I took away from it is that, um, like, I mean, I've been convinced honestly that like in his career, like Demon Stoudemire, like, I think he's just been like an offensive threat. And I think I agree that on the blacktop, like that'll be more, a little more important, you know, regardless of how big Kyle Lowry's booty is, I just think like the type of way blacktop is laid out. I just think, um, you know, there isn't going to be anyone to like help Lowry's ass if, uh, you know, it's taken to the paint or anything like that. Um, that's just my opinion, though. I think DJ. I think you lost me a little bit when you kept mentioning his D. You got me a little sussed out there. Uh, <laughs> but you know, what? this is our first. This is our first. Our first. Uh, our first round of this. I'm sure you'll. We'll get better at it.
0: Hey, all good. Hey, I got my. I got my little little preview clip right here. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so between
2: we got Christian against DJ now, right? Oh yeah. It's basically only got
0: his one. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll roll this for who goes first between me and him. Oh man. Great, right. Christian. Oh, I spell your name. Oh, what the fuck? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Chris Chasna. Chris Chasna. <laughs> Chris Chasna. <laughs> Alright. So you know. My guess is we- you just to choose Kyrie Irving. So oh, before we- I even, before I even start. I'm actually going to get Mobamba as my last player on the blacktop
0: today. Wait, is your cigarette. You still got one more after this.
1: We have another matchup.
0: Yeah, we're going like all the way through all our three. Oh, so we get so to you, do our, our third.
1: Our third player yeah. goes into a one v one. All right, why well, don't choose Mobamba either way, baby?
0: Okay. Okay. All right. That being said, I will choose. Jason Kidd. I'll save and Kyrie for... I'll that's sa- that's a Kyrie pretty good one. For, my, for the end there. All right, Christian. Rocking with Mo Bamba. Does he have the hose, though? Let's see. Yes. In three, two, one, go.
1: All right. So I, I got to set some things straight about Mo Bamba real quick. This guy, I think, is really going to be considered in the next few years one of the best talents in the NBA. The other day, he actually had seven threes against Philly, mind you, with 32 points. And, you know, you think of Mobamba and you think of a defensive player. On the year, he's averaging 2.1 blocks. I don't know. I mean, we're going up against... I forgot who, and I gotta speak about Mobamba. but this guy can play both sides of the floor in, from a two-point percentage, like... Um, rating, he's shooting 55%. He honestly can play all around the court, and in a blacktop setting, I just think this is gonna be most important. And you know, he might give up a few like free shots considering how big he is, but I do think at the end of the day, like he is a big body, and that's all you gotta know. And he's 32 points against Joel Embiid. I don't know, man. All right,
0: all right, all right, not bad, not bad. Okay. My opening argument for Jason Kidd in three, two, one. So there's a difference between uh what a player's projected to be and what a player has done. Jason Kidd is a generational talent, which 10 assists for like per game in a season. Now fuck the 20-point per game club, because that's got everyone in it. The 10 assists per game club is elite. And I know it might not be on the blacktop, but if there's one thing that means you got, you can dish out the dimes, it means that you got good handles. Jason Kidd, crazy handles for a man of, of his stature. Not only that, nine-time All-Defensive team, 10-time All-Star, 2011 NBA champion. And who gives a fuck about Bamba 73s when fucking Joel Embiid dropped 50 on his head? Now, I know that's not about Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd is a guy... That if you see him on the blacktop, you're not going to think he'd be on shit, but he's a bald dude. But he's definitely going to bust your ass. 100%. Bet on it. Alrighty. Christian, your 30-second rebuttal in three, two, one, go.
1: So I understand the whole idea of generational talent versus a player that is growing into a better player, but I do think with how... Obama is currently playing. He's only averaging 0.9 turnovers in his whole career. That says a lot to a player who, you know, is pretty much exposed on the floor this year. Um, I think with going up against Jason Kidd, he is just too little at the end of the day. Someone who can shoot the ball is just going to be able to take over like a six six-foot guard, you know. So all right. I'm going in three, two,
0: one. Now, don't disrespect Jason Kidd, man. He's 6'4", like an Impala. Now, even though Jason Kidd might be smaller than Mobamba, it is well documented by other players that he's incredibly strong despite his stature. Now, if I'm Mobamba, I might get in my head, like, man, this motherfucker ain't gonna guard me. I'm seven foot. If I start backing him down, and with that, Jason Kidd's all defensive teams, those instincts gonna kick in. He might like pull the chair out of him. Mobile will fall on his ass. Or oh fuck, but damn, yeah, that 30 seconds go quick. had
2: oh, Some good arguments. Okay, so I I was gonna be like DJ, you're forgetting one thing, but you did mention it. Jason Kidd is a big point guard. He is a big point guard. He's got good instincts defensively, he's got good length. Um, and uh, he's known to be a very tough and gritty and a very smart player, one of the smartest players of all time. With Mobamba, he on the blacktop. If you're looking at a one-on-one setting, he's a guy who's seven-one and can shoot the ball. And you said his two-point percentage, his percentile is at fifty-five percent, right? And then the blacktop, you know, quite frankly, you're going to be within the three-point range because you're going to check it up top, and from there. It, it, it depends on how you're playing. Three dribbles or, or unlimited dribbles, you know, Mo Bamba, all he has to do is turn his back around, keep it up, and because of his shooting ability, he can shoot over the defense. So I'm sorry, sorry, DJ, as much as I love Jason Kidd, I have to get yes, this on the Christian because he did make that argument with size, his ability to shoot the ball, and also he did mention his ability to cover the floor. He is an agile, more athletic big than most guys, and he's not that slow. So he can cover a bit of ground, and he's got the length. So in a blacktop setting, all you have to do is back him down, turn a face and shoot, or just back him all the way. All right, all right.
1: That was an interesting matchup. I'd want to see that in real life.
2: That Uh, that that was was a very interesting matchup.
0: That is. Oh, did I do my fucking – because (laughs) wait. Christian, how many players do you have left? I have one left. And then Reuben, you have one, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, fuck. I fucked this up. Okay. We'll do it like this. we do another on the fly. Uh, whoever wins this one will go one more round with me. And then, like, you can choose whichever your player is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah, so, I. Yeah, yeah. by default, my player is George Hill. I don't know who.
2: Yeah. Reuben, uh,
0: who's your
2: last guy? Uh, Harrison Barnes. Oh, shit.
0: Oh, this is guy's this potential to be good. All right. Ruben. Harrison Barnes on three and yeah. two and one and go. All right. Well,
2: Harrison Barnes, what else can be said about a two-time NBA champion? So let's look quickly at his stats here. I'm going to bring it up. It's going to take me a little bit of time, though. His best season, he averaged 19.2 points per game. Uh, Not that amazing, but we all know that he has the ability to shoot the ball. Um, For one season, he hit 40% from the three-point line. So you check it up top, he's a danger from the perimeter. We all know he's got the ability to back it down. At 6'8", he's got the length and the size and the weight to be able to back down any player. So he can turn, face, and shoot. He was also known coming out of high school and in college that he's got a ray of offensive moves. Defensively, we all know that he took a lot of defensive assignments during those championship years against the likes of Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. So, depends on whoever it is on that side of the floor. He can defend anybody. He can score on anybody. He's got the size. And, um, you know, he's got all the facets of this game to win under 101. All right,
0: Christian. For a man that I love dearly, George Hill in three and two and one and go all
1: right so we gotta gotta be real my whole team has been full of role players and guys that haven't necessarily shown the best but with george hill we gotta keep in mind that this guy has been a player that's been around and in his best season he averaged 16.9 with two players on his team um or even three you could consider roy hibbert paul george danny granger all players that um, you know, we're considerably in their prime at the point, And this guy was playing at 17 points per game. This is like my same argument with Malcolm Brogdon that he is just a player at the end of the day um, that hasn't been given, you know, ever the spotlight, but he 16.9 points per game beside Paul George. Like you'll take that every day. Um, he's always been like an agile player. He's um, a plus defender averaging one steal in his whole career, which, you know, considering he's played 16 seasons and he's rode the bench a lot of it. Like, this guy is considerably a good player in his prime if you were to ever see him as a star. All so. right,
0: all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Ruben, you're. Oh, that should go tight. There we go. Your rebuttal in three, two, one, go.
2: Paul or George Hill, really solid player. But a lot of those 17 points per game during that time was off of spot up shots and the pick and roll his ability to create with a secondary offensive player, and his ability to be able to hit the wide open shots when other players are drawing defenders in. Big time. You don't have that on the black top, And he doesn't have very much of a bag. Harrison Barnes will be able to lock that down. Checks it back up to Harrison Barnes. It's a back down or a three point in your face.
0: Hi. Okay. Okay. Christian. Rebuttal. In three and two and one and go.
1: All right. So this is going a little bit against Green, but if you were to take his best stats from every part of the season um, or any part, any season from George Hill, he could be a 50-40-90 player. Um, in the 2016 season, he was averaging um, 52% from the twos and almost uh, 40% from the three. I just think against a player like Harrison Barnes, he could be pretty agile. Definitely has his handles. You've seen him. He's been athletic in his career. He still plays a role in Milwaukee. Fuck. Yeah. I know,
0: man. Right. Uh, gotta give this one to Harrison Barnes, man. I think the main thing probably was that kind of like sunk you chin was when he brought up that a lot of his points come off catch and shoots. Now I think if you bring that to the three on three, that might be that might be some heat. But gotta give this one to uh, the Black Falcon. Plus I points for the nickname it. too. You know, Harrison Barnes. All right, Ruben. who are you bringing against Kyrie Irving?
2: Oh, well, you know I got to take the legend, Bernard King.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I will start things off. Here's my minute. In three and two and one, go. Now, when it comes to the blacktop, there's one thing that matters the most who's got that rock in their hands. Who's got the ball on a string? And when it comes to having a ball on the string, it's Kyrie Irving, man. Arguably, not even arguably, undeniably, the greatest ball handler of all time. This guy has got to have the deepest bag when it comes to dribbling the ball. And that doesn't even include his ability to create off the dribble. I mean, he's hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history, and that was a fading three. Even that shit's hard as fuck. And not to mention... His ability to get the hoop and his craftiness, second to none. He's literally in a movie about being a street ball legend. And when all things are said and done, I think Kyrie Irving will be the equivalent of Michael Jordan in the sense that there's nobody that can touch him when it comes to ball handling. And your ability to keep the ball away from your opponent is second to none. That's important on the blacktop. His ability to create off the dribble, second to none. His ability to stretch, second to none. All right, Ruben your opening remarks in three and two and one and go
2: Kyrie Irving
0: great player we all know he would be very
2: successful in the blacktop but hey you know in one random game Bernard King came came out of nowhere Kyrie Irving came out of nowhere we took a time machine we went back in time let's put them on the blacktop let's try it out Bernard King remember is one of the most explosive scorers of all time. Can dunk the ball from pretty much anywhere, take off from anywhere. He had the post-game, he had the ability to shoot. So on the offensive end, when he has the size difference, the athleticism difference, there's nothing that Kyrie Irving can do. And so, you know, if he starts out with possession, you're probably looking at a guy who's scoring seven straight, eleven straight, depending on what the final score is gonna be. You know, that's his position on the defensive end. Look, at the end of the day, it is said that he's not an amazing defender, but he's got the size, and on the blacktop, anything can happen. And with a guy that small and that big, there's always
0: the difference for the bigger guy. My rebuttal in three and two and one and go. Now, Bernard King played in a time when uh, the small porn guard was not a thing. That being said, if we bring them to the blacktop, just like how a bunch of people might, you know, might uh underestimate Jason Kidd for being bold. Might a lot of people might underappreciate Kyrie for being small. That being said, his ability to keep the ball on a string, his ability to create for himself is second to none. Now Kyrie Irving, arguably the greatest ball handler and one of the greatest scorers in the league right now. All right, Ruben, your rebuttal in three and two and one and go.
2: There's no doubt Kyrie Irving is one of the most has one of the best bags we've ever seen in NBA history. I mean he's pulled off some great plays in games, but Bernard King is a Hall of Fame player, an NBA 75er, he's a legend, and the only reason why he made it in there is for his ability to just score and his ability to get to the rim and his ability to create. That's a black top legend in mind. Eyesight when he's able to do that on the NBA floor.
1: All right, Christian, who you got? All right, my real question is: Is it possible? and this is very scenario based because I think when Ruben brought up that the first possession matters, I definitely agree because Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is like player that you won't get the ball from, especially with Bernard King's like almost being like a minus defender, like Ruben said. I do think there is some contention there that. If Kyrie had first possession, he would win the game for sure. Um, and I think it go the same way with Bernard King because he is the big guy. So, like, I don't know if this is allowed. Because personally, like, I might just be, like, making up rules as we go. But I think, like, I, I mean, it's not possible to tie in basketball. But this is, this is hard to say. Like, you might have to bring this to 2K to settle this, man. Like, at this point, like, I... I I honestly can't choose because I, I do think, like... I don't know if Kyrie was involved in the top 75 list. So I, like, skim through it. Was he a top 75? Um, I don't think
0: so. I think he was left out.
1: Yeah, but, like, I think all things considered, like... Yeah, yeah,
0: he was left out.
1: Yeah, like, he is, like, top 80, you know? Like, he he's there. Um, if I had to choose, I gotta give the argument to Ruben um, solely because yeah. I do think like the size will matter on the court. Like I think efficiency wise, like having a big guy like Bernard King, like, ah oh, man, this isn't this is even tough to argue for like in sharing my opinion, but I do think like Bernard King would be able to eventually get a stop on Kyrie Irving. Um, given the size difference, um, and then from that, it might be just be barbecue chicken all day. So, I think if we're thinking per- first possession, either way, Bernard King I think could come out on top. This is probably a hot take though. Kyrie is undeniably the best ball. All- uh, not the, it's not undeniable, but
2: yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty. Like <laughs> you put it above, you know. It's a reach, man. It's a reach for me. Honestly, I was like, damn, Kyrie. But I would, I would. I'm just trying to like envision it. It's like the size and contesting a shot if Kyrie doesn't already blow past him or anything like that but you know also Bernard King is also one of the most athletic players during his time so that's why so many so many variables but Kyrie it's for sure like he's a blacktop player by
0: part for
1: sure I think maybe I'm just he's smoking. literally
0: the only dude I've ever seen fucking spit on the ground to get a shot if that does no black blacktop I don't know what to do It's okay. I lost all my three. I kind of deserve it because low-key right off the bat, there was a hole in this shit. I got to make different tiers, but that's okay. We will come back better. But, all right. We got round two. The three-on-three. Now, this one isn't necessarily one that we'll judge. You know, Maybe the comments will decide. Whoever. But, we'll give each other... uh, We'll go two minutes this time. So that you can go Present your three against each other's three and what you think is going to happen. Now, we'll spin for order, though. We'll spin for order. Okay.
1: I think we should make it spicy and make it a minute. That's, that, maybe I'm You want to go
0: minute again? I'm down I, if y'all are down. Minute?
1: I think we got to, like, play on ball a little bit. I think we have okay, to... Okay, okay. Well, yeah, we'll keep the I little like that, them, a little okay. bit of motion, you know? You got to... True, true, true.
0: All right, I'm fucked. i covered.
1: Oh, who was the first one? Was all that right. me
0: already? I was me, so it's DJ and Christian. Okay. It's me, Christian, and then Rubes. Okay,
1: all right. Mm. Let's do
2: let me throw a suggestion out to you guys For sure. No rebuttal, just one minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: just the minute. This one's right. no rebuttal,
2: just one minute because. That because we've made arguments about the individual players,
1: yeah.
2: I think there's a really good argument that can be made now, keeping that in context with your own team. All
1: right, let's do it. All right, three and two and
0: one and go. Now, Kyle Lowry, Jason Kidd, Kyrie Irving, three of the top guards in their respective positions at their given times. Kyrie Irving would obviously be my two. He's shooting the ball. Every possession he gets, he's creating for himself. And now I got one of the best passers of all time, Jason Kidd, to assist to him. Now, we all regard James Harden as one of the best passers in the league right now, but Jason Kidd is one of the best passers of all time. His ability to get the balls to people, second to none. Now, I can't forget about Kyle Lowry. Who gives a fuck if he's six foot? He's gonna body up Mo Bamba. Now, obviously there's no refs, but again, his ability to defend is crazy good. Now, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, there's no one on the court that I think could guard him if he's able to move out. If he's able to like space the floor more, able to have more room to maneuver. He's definitely getting by everybody free cheese every day. <laughs> and shoot, Kyle Lowry, big fat ass. All I gotta say. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that made it come up quick, yo. You gotta go all three. Okay, Christian. All right. In three, and two, and one, and go.
1: Okay, so there's a reason I definitely set up my team the way it is. I could have got rid of Obama if I wanted to, but let's be real. I've already mentioned Obama as a, div- a defensive prowess, but like Malcolm Brogdon, um, George Hill, and Obama are arguably all plus um, defender players, especially Obama and Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I do think Kyrie Irving could respectively probably blow by them on good possessions, but I think in terms of spacing the floor, like you're gonna have a hard time getting on Mobamba considering he is like a two point or two blocks per game type of player shooting threes. Um, you could definitely make the argument that you could leave some players open at times. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is like a high assist player. He's averaging six assists a season, four point eight on his career. Um, George Hill is, like, an agile scorer. Um, he was mentioned before as an off-ball shooter. And, like, if you we are talking about any player that could handle the ball in my team, I don't think there's, like, any weak spots there. So
0: Respect, respect. All right, Ruben, bring it home. Three,
2: two, one, go. So my team... I think it's a really good mix of conventional positions where you have Bernard King, who's uh, more of a power forward, small forward. Harrison Barnes, who's a 2-3-4, and a Damon Stoudemire, who's your point guard. Uh, I don't have a big that can defend a guy like a Mo Bamba right then and there, but you do have some size and length. So you can at least cover a little bit of ground against a team like DJ's where you have three point guards. Um, Defensively, you know Harrison Barnes can cover some ground. So pretty much any time you're switching – so I like my ability. If you've got three guards on the floor, I can switch all the positions. Um, I like my chances against Christian's team because even though he has Mo Bamba, you've got some size at least to be able to double and then be able to cash out and go contest. And then on the offensive end, you've got Damon Stoudemire, you've got Bernard King and Harrison Barnes, a whole ton of offensive options that you can go with. Harrison Barnes in the post, Bernard King in the post, so you got shooters, Damon Stoudemire can create one-on-one.
0: Dang. All right, well, as there's no rebuttal, that is technically the end. I shoot, that was really sick. I mean, definitely some things we could work on with like regards to tearing everyone, but I think all things considered, that was that was fucking fun, you know. I appreciate y'all getting on with me, man. Like, yes, sir. I yeah.
1: my team will win respectively.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I think just by the virtue that Christian has a seven footer, low key, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I would like. Well, the, Mo Bamba, like, surprisingly, like, I haven't kept up with him because I don't watch the Magic, but I can see him being, like, a potential player. Like, if we're talking trade talks next time, like, he could definitely be in the talks, too. Like, he fits with the timeline, but, like... I think
0: most people are, most uh, reports say that he's he's going to get traded. I want to see him in OKC low-key.
1: Yeah, and he plays beside Wendell Cryer Jr., too,
0: right? Like... Those
1: are two players yeah. that like
2: they're 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 yeah they're basically mirror versions of each other. Mm. Just Bomba is a slightly bigger player, but Wendell Carter is probably more along. Yeah, I'd probably think Christian Christian's team might win this because <laughs> like you get a blow by, you get a blow by, you meet Mo bomba at the rim, and Mo Bomba's agile enough to go out and contest. Yeah. And then on the offensive end, like you can run the screen and roll, or you can have him in the uh, the, the strong side or the weak side, and then blow past your defender you just how you it to him or if he wants to sit out in the paint or sit out in the three point line, he can also knock yeah, that no down. One's so.
0: But just because we're located main feet doesn't mean that you should agree. Now, <laughs> if you got a different opinion, let us know in the comments below. Uh, yeah, shoot. This is the first episode. It'll only get better from here. I appreciate my homies getting down with me. I mean, before we end off here, y'all got anything you want to plug? Anything y'all got going on? <laughs>
2: Follow me on TikTok, bro. Go watch my vlogs. That's it. Right. I'm boring, though. So What's it not? is what it is. Oh, and the ad is uh, R-E-U-B-E-N-J-R-D, Ruben J-R-D. You guys can follow me there on Instagram, Twitter. If you want to see my basketball takes, you can go follow me there. Um, I'm pretty much in the grain of Raptors Twitter. So if you love Raptors stuff or love talking shit to the Raptors, you can at me.
0: All right, all right, all right. And Christian, what you got going on, Kozo? I mean... You know, follow
1: me on Instagram if you can find me, at cpjerome. Um, just kind of got some plans for the year. Nothing I can mention right now, but,
2: you know. It's got some fire. Yeah.
1: I'm a graphic designer. If you need me, just hit me up. It runs in the family, eh? It does.
0: And as for me, I have been your host, DJ, I guess, You can find anything uh, Blacktop related to this podcast at The Blacktop Pod. That's uh, The Black, T-O-P-P-O-D. And yeah, shoot. Appreciate y'all getting down with me again. Thank you for listening in. And I will, and maybe these guys will too. Maybe we'll see you soon. Have a good one, y'all.